Help, I'm a Children's Pastor is sponsored today by listener Swinton Anton. This is Help, I'm a Children's Pastor, episode 10. Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for your patience on our next episode. It's It's been a, quite a gap between 8 and 10, hasn't it, folks? Well, anyway, welcome to Help I'm a Children's Pastor, where we're focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. This is episode 10, brought to you the week of April 12th, 2012. Our last episode wasn't since uh, August 28th, 2011, if you don't count episode nine, which I don't, because that was just me putting out a sermon that I preached. Good one, but, you know, it's not a podcast, you know. Anyway, I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. I'm the kids pastor at Suncoast Cathedral in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging in there and staying tuned. Staying tuned. That's what we say. Uh, I always start with some news and updates, so I'd love to let you know what's been going on for the better part of a year. Uh, first of all, last time I talked to you, we had just started our middle school ministry. Um, well, I, well, a supplement to the youth group's middle school ministry. I'm in charge of now providing a middle school service on Sunday morning for our kids 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. It's been going really great. We have an awesome team of young adults that are leading that up. It's called SHIFT, uh, with the intention of shifting kids from children's ministry into the youth department. Uh, it's going great. We've got about 16 kids, up from about 10 to 12 and where it's really going to take off is at the end, in just about a, a couple of months, actually, at the end of the school year, because there was quite a gap between May of last year and August when we started. And we lost, uh, I think, you know, quite a few middle school kids. But this year, uh, you know, since it's running and, and it's in real time and all that, uh, when I graduate my kids, they're going to you know, be in my service one Sunday in Kids City. The very next Sunday, they'll be upstairs. So uh, I've got, I don't know, 10 to 12 fifth graders that I'm just going to hand them. So it's going to be interesting. I'm telling them, get ready, put down some more chairs, because I'm about to double your audience, your congregation. So that's going well. Um I, it's hard to believe I haven't talked about this since, but um, in October of last year, uh, we did something called the Odyssey, and it was really, really awesome. It was an outreach event that I've done. Uh, I did it back in 2003 in Kansas City and just never was able to pull it off again. But basically, it's a Bible tour um, for children. Uh, you've seen what youth groups do, the Hell House type stuff. Well, just imagine that, but it's not scary. It's Bible-themed. It's a tour, and um, they go from Genesis, you know, creation, all the way through uh, the Bible, highlighting most of the most of our favorite kids' stories and the point behind them. Um, they actually end up going uh, through Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and then uh, into heaven, where it's the grand finale. But each room has candy themed to the lesson. Um, so we gave away golf, uh, not goldfish crackers. We gave away. Uh, in in uh, Joan and the Whale, which you know they walked into a giant whale, and uh, were able to talk to Jonah and a puppet that were in there, uh, and hear what they had to say. But they got um, what are those little uh, Swedish fish? They're awesome. So they got Swedish fish on the way out, and we give them a little key, uh, you know, like on the back of a Jelly Belly bag, where it tells you you know what flavor all of them are. We give them a key to help them remember what what they got in each room. So the hopefully as they're eating the candy. Um, they'll remember, hey, I got this in Jonah and the Whale. And Jonah, you know, taught me that God loves us even when we make mistakes. And so we did, you know, uh, creation. We did Adam and Eve in the fall where we had a snake puppet talking to Adam and Eve just after they they messed up. Um, so anyway, it went all the way through. It was really, really great. I can't wait to do it next year. If you want to check out the website and maybe see a video from it, uh, you can go to uh, theodysseyevent.com, theodysseyevent.com. And I'm not quite sure what's up there right now. It's from, you know, October, and we'll start updating it as uh, as we creep into the ha- ha- Halloween season. But the thing I love about the Odyssey, if I may, 
um, is I've done tons of uh, different kinds of outreaches on Halloween. And what I found so many times is we're just a stop on on the map. We're just a, a for for the people that are coming and uh, and using us and 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 I do mean using us. I am I've had a really hard time believing at the end of the night that I've given them anything that is going to be eternal. Okay, I've shared candy with them. I've I've tried to love on them. Blah 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 blah. But have I really done anything that is eternal? And uh, because you either have to do two things. One, you're very hands-off. You have people come and play games, and maybe you have a Christian theme, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they leave, and you try to do follow-up and invite them to a service. And that's fine. That's great. Um, but it just wasn't enough for me. Or the other alternative is you do a bait-and-switch tactic where you're like, candy, 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 fun, fun, fun. And then you make them sit down for 15 to 20 minutes before they get any of this stuff uh, to, to, look, to be, you know, sit through a service or a puppet show. And that's fine. If that's what you have to do, that's great. But it's not for me. Um, I found that the Odyssey is an amazing way for me to guarantee that every single person that comes through there gets a complete and full and total immersive experience with the Word of God and the truth of God's love, and they love it at the same time. I tell you, and I kid you not, uh, I know we pastors like to be evangelistical when we talk about um, our numbers and stuff, but... um, I won't talk about numbers. I, I was very happy with the numbers. It wasn't thousands. It was hundreds, but it was really good. And uh, But what I really saw that really impressed me is I was the guy that greeted them when they first came in, showed the intro video, told them the rules and regs, you know, of getting through it um, uh, with the tour guides and everything. And uh, I saw people coming through more than once. Kids uh, with extra people, not not. I'm, I say that again. I saw kids coming through more than once, but they they what they'd done is they'd gone out in their car and gotten their neighbors and brought them back to the event and gone through again. And the kids were like, "I didn't even bring my bucket this time." It's, you know, so they weren't doing it for the candy. Um, you know, uh, I had a lot of volunteers that wanted it. You know, that were like, "Oh, you're so cute. You came back again. Here, have some, even though you don't have anything to hold it in." Uh, but, but that, Ooh, that was awesome. So we're going to be doing the Odyssey again. We're going to change out a few rooms. Uh, you know, there was a couple of rooms that were more excitable and more happening than others. And plus I want to keep it fresh. And, uh, so some favorites will be back and, uh, but I'd love to do a Noah's Ark room. I'd love to do, you know, something with water. It'd be awesome if there was actual water in the room somehow. I don't even know, but you know, if you don't think that way, you won't ever try it. So, um, I'm thinking knee-high water in the in the classroom. I don't even know if that's illegal, but we're going to try it. Okay, so enough about that. Um, I wrote another Christmas story back in December. And um, I, for those of you that don't know, every year um, it, during our you know Christmas Eve service here at my church, uh, I'm expected or, or requested to read a story. Well, rather than just read one that's you know off the internet or off Amazon.com, I you know have been challenged in in myself to write stories, and I've done three so far, three in three years. The first one was called "The Very Last Room," um, imagining that you were the family that took the very last room in Bethlehem, um, and then had to watch Joseph and Mary come and try to you know get a room. Um, so what would that be like if you were in that family from a child's perspective? And then the second one was called the birthday story, um, where we hear a young man, uh, ask his mom about the situation surrounding his birth and, and, uh, about, about three, about a quarter of the way in the story, uh, the listener, um, starts to understand that this is Jesus as a child talking to his mom and, and you get to hear the Christmas story from her perspective as a mother and uh, someone hopeful for her son. So it's special. And then uh, this year I took a deviation from the traditional uh, Christmas story and went more into the Christmas fable, uh, more like Charles Dickens type stuff. And it's called the Christmas repair service. And it's about a young man that has a horrible, horrible attitude um, and wrecks Christmas, literally trashes on accident. I mean, kind of on accident, but because of some bad behavior, he accidentally knocks um, the head off the baby Jesus in the manger, um, it, it gets angry, throws a pillow, totally trashes the Christmas tree. And this is all after his parents have gone to bed, his sister's in bed. And um, he calls a, a place called the Christmas Repair Service that had dropped a uh, a uh, postcard through his email, his mail slot on his door. And um, these folks come in, and uh, you know it's hinted at the end of the story that they're angels um, that have come. But they 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 each station um, every time they have to repair something, 
uh, he learns a lesson and and changes something about himself. And uh, so it's very it's very Dickens ish, uh, where where you know Scrooge is saved by three ghosts. This guy, you know, he he comes to uh, the realization of what he his attitude and his Christ likeness needs through these through these uh, angels and stuff. But it's very cool. I'll be releasing that uh, a little closer, probably between October and November. Um, right there on com, And for a donation of $10, um, you can have any of those. Um, matter of fact, just yesterday, here in the middle of no holiday season at all, um, somebody donated $20 and got both um, the very last room and um, the birthday story. So I sent those out. But uh, when you, if you're interested, just go to helpimychildrenspastor.com. And um, look for some information. I don't have anything like up there that says, "Hey, buy this," because um, that's not what I'm about. Not at this point, anyway. When I when I get hungry, I, I am. Uh, but uh, you can uh, send me something via PayPal, and I'll send you a zip file that contains a PowerPoint presentation with all the images. They're all illustrated, by the way. And you'll get a PDF file with this story in it. And you'll also get each individual JPEG image in JPEG format. In case you need to throw it into Media Shout or some other program that you know may or may not get along well with PowerPoint, um, so there you go. Uh, la, 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 la. Oh, move, looking into the future, I'm excited because I got invited. I'm so dang honored. Uh, I got invited to go to Southern Missouri um, to to do their kids camp for the Assemblies of God um, there in Southern Missouri District. I'm going to be out there and um, at their campgrounds for two weeks of kids camp, July 9th through the 20th. So that's going to be awesome. I'm taking a, my shift group, my kids, uh, my young adults who help me with uh, middle school ministry, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna knock them dead. That's my goal. I am gonna. I mean, we're starting now, planning and and getting ideas and and writing everything we think of down. And I really I want to leave them with more than I take. Uh, you know, there's a stipend or some sort of honorarium or something. I would love to, um, I don't know, it's an unofficial goal to spend more money fixing stuff up and making stuff um, and, and going down there and knocking them dead and uh, getting as many people saved in as many ways as possible uh, than, than what they give me. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. And I don't remember if I went to Ireland <laughs> since the last... Uh, since the last podcast, but I, I went to Ireland last year. I think it was August, I want to say. But anyway, I got to go to Ireland and do children's ministry for a week. And it was amazing. I got to go to Cork and and uh, go down there and in and, and, and County Cork. And, and uh, it was at a place called Trebolgan. It was a big Pentecostal um, collection thing. Apparently, it's somewhat famous. I didn't know. I don't know. Still don't know. Um, but it was really awesome. Kids there are amazing. And I still am friends with many of them on Facebook, and and you know, and and the only, and I finally learned how to do a, an Irish accent after a week of, of hanging out with those crazy kids over there. And the only thing I can remember them saying is, "Pastor James, will you be coming back next year?" Okay, let me try that again. Pastor James, will you be coming back next year? And that's that's it. That's my. <laughs> it's a lot better than my old accent attempt, which was that was pretty much all I could do. And that was from watching um, some Disney show, uh, Bob Cratchit and the Little People, or something like that. I don't even remember the name. All right, time for our main topic. Enough about me. It's about you. And um, we had somebody write in and said this. Could you talk about suggestions for those like me who are in a church that is brand new? How to start the children's ministry on the right foot. I am with a brand new church that has been going Seven months, and I'm the director of the children's ministry. Thanks for your suggestions, and I hate this, but I did not get the name. So you know who you are, and you're awesome, and you're special. You're just not famous right now. So sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, okay, so what I did is I just brainstormed for a bit, and I wrote down, because I've been in this situation, not so much from a brand new church, but I have been tasked with restarting a children's ministry in an existing church. And I've also mentored folks who have started a, sh- a church from nothing. Uh, they're literally meeting in a elementary school at this time. Great church, but, you know. So I feel like um, 
I, I'm sure you could argue with me, but they're probably a lot alike. Starting from scratch is starting from scratch, no matter if you got a building and a congregation or not. So what I what I did is I went through and I thought about all the things I did because you know what, um, it was my first position, and that was what 13 years ago, and I didn't do it all right. So, um, you know, if you ask me what I did, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> I, I made some huge mistakes. Maybe I will mention some of those so you won't do it. But I wrote down the things I would have done and should have done and have suggested. And what I've learned moving now to St. Petersburg, kind of starting over, not rebooting an entire ministry, but having to having to get to know people and all. And, and you know, that doesn't change. When you got new folks, they're new folks. So let me just drill through some of these. First of all, it goes without saying, but I got to say it first, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, pray, pray. I am not even kidding. MC Hammer said it best. You got to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. All right? Um, Maybe not best, but he said that song the best because I haven't seen any remixes of that or covers since 1990. Um, Off the album, Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him, which was one of my first CDs. That and Petra Praise were the first two CDs I ever owned. Okay. Uh, Pray. Gosh, pray. Seriously, how much of your ministry do you want to be you doing it, and how much do you want God doing it? Prayer invites God into your children's ministry. Prayer is the beginning and the end of anointing. It is the connection that you have with God. It is literally communication. And you know how important communication is with your parents, with your leaders, with your uh, with your peers, um, and with your uh, the leaders that work under you, communication is vital. And 90% of the problems you have in church is because of communication or miscommunication or lack of communication. So how much more important is communication with God? Yes, I'm berating the point, but I cannot stress enough. In the years that I've been doing this, I can tell you the one thing I have never done enough of, and that is pray. And I get emotional even as I say it. Because, oh God, the things I could have avoided if I'd prayed. Things I thought I could handle myself. People I thought I could handle myself. And the pain that I had to go through and the junk that I put other people through because I was too stupid and too proud. Or maybe thought it was too small. Or maybe thought God would be proud of me if I handled it myself. Pray, 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 pray. Pray until something happens. Push, as they say when we teach it to kids. Pray until something happens. And don't stop. That's what the Bible says. Pray without ceasing. When I was a child, I thought, how can I pray all the time, even at night, even when I'm sleeping, even when I'm going to the bathroom? It doesn't mean that. It means pray and don't give up praying. Pray and continue praying and keep going. Well, Pastor James, do I pray for the same thing over and over and over? Pray until something happens. If you want to pray once, pray once. But the Bible I read says, bug him like if if he were an unjust judge and mess with him and bother him, even though he's not even though he does care, treat him as if he doesn't and get on his case and get on his nerves until he does what you need him to do. It's his ministry. He cares more than we do. So there is that. But at the same time, I truly believe what my old pastor used to say, George Westlake uh, Jr., is um, God limits himself by how people pray. So pray, 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 pray. Pray a word for me and you. All right. The second thing is get a vision. Now that's something you hear from every, every guru out there. You know, you've heard it so many times. Vision almost means nothing. So let me break it down the way my mentor broke it down for me. Pastor David Godbout currently serving in St. Louis, Missouri, doing awesome out there. He says, a vision is this. You go in your time machine, you go into the future, five years, 10 years, one year, whatever. You take a photo of your stuff and you bring it back to now. That's a vision. That's your vision. What do you want that photo to look like? What do you want it to look like? And I'm very visual, so man, that helps me so much. I'm not good with no, you know, writing down notepads and mission statements and all that. I do it, but I'm not great at it. Some people seem to be great at it. I am not. I am more of a visual guy, creative guy, thinking in my head kind of guy. And so that helps me so much, and hopefully it helps you. What do you want your ministry to look like in five years? Get a vision. You have to get a vision. Otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to know where you're heading. You're just going to end up in maintenance mode. And maintenance mode, just doing services every week, just keeping the the the, the Christmas stuff going and the Easter stuff going and the and the this, that, and the other going and all the expected stuff going, all that stuff is going to grind you down to a pulp. 
You got to grow. Every living thing grows and you have to have a vision. You have to get a vision. Now, where do you get your vision from? Some people say, well, you just said pray. Absolutely. But do this for me. God has set somebody in between you and him. And that's your pastor. So you need a vision from God. But honestly, go to your pastor first, because there's a good chance he's going to speak through your pastor. He set him in there. He's put him in between you and him. You don't have a job if not for him. Uh, your pastor or her, and so go to them and find out what they want. They they nine times out of ten, I'll just go ahead and prep you for it. They're going to say, "I don't know." Uh, that's your job. Um, they may say, uh, "Well, I just want the kids out of the main service," and that's fine. That's a great vision because I can do that. That's easy. I've I have pleased my pastor from service number one. I've kept the kids out of the main service. Um, you know, so don't get upset if they don't have a great grand vision. I just think it's important, and I think it's godly to go and submit yourself there. And then, okay, say they don't have a great one, or they have something that you need, and maybe you don't like it. Maybe it's perfect. I don't know. But whatever it is, go back, work up yours, incorporating that, or even repairing it or fixing it, and then submit that back to him or her, and get that blessing. Get that blessing. Because I'm telling you, the more you can get, um, uh, not absolution, the more you can get a, a, the props or the, the, the more you can get your pastor to buy into what you're doing, the more he's going to defend you, the more he's going to trust you. When people go around your back and, and backbite and, and complain and all that kind of stuff, um, there's two kinds of pastors. One of them is going to apologize to the person and they're going to say they're going to talk to you and they will not have your back with that with that person complaining. And that's because they don't know you. They don't know what you're doing. They don't trust you. But if they know what you're about, they know what you're doing and you, they know you stick to it because you've communicated all of this to him through your vision, they'll have your back and they'll say, Oh no, that doesn't sound like what, I, you know what? Why don't you go talk to them? That's what I love about my pastor is he sends them to me because they ain't coming to me first. And I love it. It's awesome. So, okay, don't just communicate um, to others. Include others. That's the other thing I would learn. Communication is important. You need to do that. Absolutely. Have the meetings, have the emails, set up as many lines of communication as possible, except for Facebook. I hate doing business over Facebook. I need it in my email. I don't even like texting back and forth because it's so easy to get um, feelings hurt and, and all that kind of stuff. And email is not great, but I'm telling you, as children's pastors, we have I, I have to communicate with 60-something people. I can't call everybody. I can't text everybody. But, man, I can blast out an email to everybody. It's awesome. So communicate, communicate, communicate. But don't just communicate. Include your staff. Get them in the process. Communication is about giving and taking, but inclusion talks about doing as well and being a part of it. And don't be afraid to ask them. Man, when I was early on in the ministry, I was so afraid to ask anybody to help. I was so afraid to, that I was going to scare them away by giving them too much too soon. And I saw people drop away like flies, and I realized years later, I could keep bus ministry people. I couldn't keep somebody at my door. Security is very important. I couldn't keep somebody standing at the door, but I couldn't get rid of bus captains, man. They had the hardest job in the entire place. How? What is that? Well, that's because people want to matter. If they're giving up their service to come work for you, they want to know that they're doing something. Secondly, when you give them part of your job, it's not going to be as stressful on them as it was on you because you're carrying too much. You're doing too much. When they do it, they're only doing that one little thing. But it matters, and it's important. So you put them to work, and it becomes something that they value, and they realize they matter, and they will stay. Okay? So don't just communicate. Include your staff in the planning and the process and all that. That way they'll buy into it. They won't question it. I've made that mistake uh, so many times where I, I'm, I'm so, you know, because I'm visual and it's in my brain and all this, I can create it all myself. But late with, in October when I did the Odyssey, because uh, the part I didn't tell you is when I did it in 2003, I did it all myself. It was ridiculous. I can't even brag about it, even though it was amazing. But because I was an idiot, I can't brag about it. I was stupid. I burned myself out so bad I couldn't do it again. I couldn't even fathom doing it in 2004, 2005, 2006, even though it should have should have gone. But this year, in 2011 of October, 
first thing I did was start calling people and getting people involved, selling them on it. I drew pictures. I made, I took pictures of the rooms. I sold it. I gave each room out to a different ministry of my church. They sponsored it. They, they even put money into it. They, they were in charge of, of getting all the actors together and the costumes. And I provided the set and the sound effects and all that kind of stuff. And man, I'm telling you, I worked my tail off, but I didn't do it all. And these people, I didn't have to call one person and ask them if they were going to be there on time. These people showed up. They were there. And it was so smooth because I did more than communicate. Um, I included. So include your people, include your staff, um, set up a discipline policy. I'm real big on discipline. If you've ever listened to any of my past podcasts, you know, it's big and I don't just consider it punishment. Discipline and discipling are inseparable to me. Um, you, you, you discipline those that you love. That's what God does. And I do too. And it's very important right from the beginning, especially with a new ministry that you own the room, you own the ministry. The kids don't run it. The kids don't own it. You do. And, um, if you want more information on discipline policy, look up on the website or contact me directly at help. I'm a children's pastor at gmail.com or help. I'm a CP at gmail.com actually. And uh, I'll send you some. I'll send you some information. I have a discipline policy. I have some discipline, uh, proper discipline uh, worksheets and things like that that will help you out. And also, hey, you know what? If you want to do a phone call and 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 us chat um, for a small donation to BGMC, I will do that. I'll do it for free. But I would love it if you would submit ten bucks to BGMC as Boys and Girls Missionary uh, Challenge. It's here. It's our missions thing that we do at my church, and you could do it via PayPal. And my daughter will get credit for it. <laughs> so, uh, but I I can also come to your church. You know, if you think if you think that much of me and, and my message, I would love to come and do some training at your church. So, holla, okay. Uh, set up a discipline policy. It's huge, um, and make it consistent between all your ministries. Might as well get that thing down now, right? That way, and that's important because I want my kids when they come to whatever class they're in, they know if they're bad, the same thing's going to happen. There's not a different set of rules for each class. Yeah, I know there's personalities with teachers, and some are a little more lenient than others. That's fine. But when they do overstep that boundary, I want them to know, you know, it doesn't go straight to mom. It doesn't go straight to, oh, we hate you. It, it There's there's a process to hate. No. Um, there's a process as we go along. Okay, so uh, set up a discipline policy. Next thing I have here is communicate expectations and needs to your parents. Man, 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 man. Um, that probably should have been further up on the list, but these are in no particular order. Your parents, um, parents are a pain, okay? We know it. It's true. I love them. And, and I know, I know that I know that I know that I've got to reach out to them. And not all of them are pain, but a lot of them are, okay? Have you ever done an Easter egg hunt with parents watching? Yeah. Okay, not fun. They're very misbehaved, and you can't put them in timeout. <sighs> Uh, so anyway, but you still need to communicate your expectations to them. And I'm not just talking about information. Did you notice I said communicate expectations? There's not a comma there. It's one, two punch. You want to communicate your expectations. It's okay to have expectations. We are not McDonald's. We are not Burger King. They cannot have it their way. If they want to have their child participating in our ministry, the ministry that we provide that is awesome, that is top notch, that we know is right in the middle of God's will. If you know those things, then you can have standards. And one of them can be you've got to check your kid in. You cannot just drop them off at the front door and run. You can't just open the car door out the front door, drop them off and run. We have, you know, by God, I'm going to call the cops on you if you do this again. <laughs> okay. Maybe you can't do that, but I can. And, um, and, and so, you know, I want to keep your kids safe and this is why it's not just cause I have rules and I'm a dork. I, I have policies in place that I believe in to keep your kids safe. And so you have to follow them. And, um, you know what, when we go to kids camp, I'm not going to pay hundred percent of your fee. Um, you know, I'll pay 50%, I'll pay 25, whatever. Um, but, but people get this mentality, parents do, um, that, that we owe them and that that we're free somehow. And yes, yes, it's a free service that we provide. Actually, it should cost you 10% of your income, but anyway, um, it is a free service, but that doesn't mean it's worthless. See, people take free and they throw it out the window. Okay. So communicate your expectations to them. And if you need stuff, if you need workers, if you need volunteers, Try to find as many one-shot volunteer opportunities as possible. Parents love those and make those available. Communicate. Get an email list together of all of your parents' emails and start sending out um, 
communications to them. Let them know what you need in advance. And I'm telling you, the parents, not all of them, but some of them will volunteer. Some of them will bring a bag of apples for your Halloween event. Some of them will 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 bring a bag of candy to give away in kids' church. Um, they will do these things, and they will be invested in what you're doing, and it falls in the same category as involving, not just communicating. So I guess I could just say, don't just communicate, include your staff. Don't just communicate, include your parents. Um, and, and you'd say, well, I can never do that. You need to. Here's why. Um, I take my kid to a private school, okay? And in public school, same way to a certain extent, depending on your teacher. But at my daughter's school, um, we, we, you know, it's not cheap, okay? They don't, they don't give this school away. We have to buy uniforms on top of that. We have to buy this, that, and the other on top of that. We have to pay 50 cents on Friday so she can wear jeans. You know, uh, There's ice cream day and all this kind of stuff. But my teacher, has the, her teacher, has absolutely no qualms in emailing us almost on a weekly basis, and same for my son who's in pre-K, um, and letting us know, hey, your kid needs to bring a bag of apples. They need to bring this. They need to bring something that starts with a J. And we need more snacks and more items for the treasure box. And dude... You can rack up 10, 20 bucks at Target meeting these needs. You know what, though? We never question it. We do it. We just do it. And we pay on top of all that. So all that to say, more often than not, your parents are used to this. We're just the only ones that never do it. And I wonder if that's why. We don't have the involvement. Let me give you another example. Your, your parents, we say, we, say we, we, we get upset. I do. I do. When parents overemphasize sports, they put sports over everything else in life. And I've been around children's ministry long enough to know that, yes, it builds character, but character without Christianity, character without relationship with God falls flat. Um, and, uh, and, and I've seen par- these parents, these types with their kids that grow up, and I see the pictures on Facebook when they go to college with their kids drinking and cavorting and carrying on. All sports does is get you popular with the wrong people. Hello? At the end of the day. Okay, I know it builds strength, keeps your kid from getting fat, blah, blah, blah. All right, so I got a pet peeve with this. The parents get them in sports. And, and you know, I get upset when I see kids are more into sports or not their kids. The parents are more into sports than they are they interested in their children's spirituality. But here's the day, thing. That kid is going to go to practice. You know why? I can't blame mom when I think about it this way. Because they bought a uniform. They bought a baseball and a glove and a hat and cleats and all this stuff. They've spent 80 bucks, plus they're probably paying to go. And um, so, by God, that kid is going to go to practice because I spent all this money on you. You're going. They're invested in that program. What have we offered on our side to get kids and parents invested, not just involved, but invested in children's ministry. I know it sounds so opposite of what you'd think, but it's true. People want to matter. They want to be involved and they want to give, they want to care. We just have to help them and provide opportunities. But I've always been about give, 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 let's serve, serve, serve. And that's true. But there's also this element where we're disciplers and we owe them the opportunity to serve, serve, serve and give, give, give as well. That'll preach. So uh, the next thing um, is do the very best with what you have. I love what Jim Weidman says on this topic, and I've carried it and I will carry it to my grave. Um, excellence is not doing the very best there is. You cannot do the best there is. Your church does not have the resources to do uh, the best there is. You know, if you've ever been to some of these conferences, these children's conferences, I went out to the Dream Conference in uh, Oklahoma, and I, you know, and I just, I almost walked away more frustrated than anything else because everything was perfect, and I know it wasn't, but you know what I mean. Um, but I, I really realized, and I got some balance. I said, excellence is not doing the best there is. Excellence is doing the best you have with what you've got, doing the very, very best. And that helps me so much because if I look at the best there is, I'm going to get an attitude with what I've got. I'm going to get bitter about what I've got. I don't have a big enough room. I have to share it with everybody. My, my storage spaces stink and, and I don't have enough workers and the workers I have are old and mean and they all smoke and blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to get really, really bitter and upset. But if you do the best with what you have, that means you're going to be a good steward. <gasps> 
Yes, stewardship. Imagine for a second that all the things that you have and all the things you hate, all the things you're frustrated with and the puppets and this and the other and the sound system, imagine for a minute that every single one of them, just pretend with me, were a gift from God. Now all of a sudden, I've been complaining about things God has provided for me because truly, secretly, they are gifts from God. And they're what he's given you. And God's message to you today is, if he never gave you another thing, if he never promoted you, if he never gave you one additional resource, could you still do what he's called you to do? And would you be able to do it with the right attitude? That's the challenge he gave me, and I pass it on to you. Do the best you can with what you have. Don't try to be perfect, and don't try to do everything. See, perfectionism is crazy stupid, and I am, I am it. I can say it because I'm it, and I've, I, I know it now, and I can battle it, but I am a lazy perfectionist, as they say, where I can make an idea so big and so awesome with the best intentions and with all this creativity God has blessed me or cursed me with, I can't tell yet, and I can make it so big that if I can't do that, I won't do anything. If I can't do it perfect, like, for instance, um, for years, I went without acknowledging kids' birthdays in children's ministry because I was like, I need to get to where I can call every single one of these kids on their birthday that day and make that happen and then give them a gift or something, something the following week. And I create, oh, it would have been so meaningful, y'all. It would have been perfect. People would have sung my praises from the mountaintops. This man called my kid on his birthday and gave him a gift the Sunday after. He's kept track of all of this stuff. It's so awesome. I couldn't do that, so I wouldn't do nothing. And when I got here at uh, Suncoast, I went to OvernightPrint.com and I made up 500, 600 happy birthday postcards. I signed my name on the back of that joker. I stamped their name on it and I send it out. And you know what? It's enough. And it's the best I can do because I can't focus on that too much. It's not the most important thing. I have a vision that says that is not the most important thing. It is important, but it's not the most important. And, And from a kid's point of view, they don't know what I've imagined would be possible. So they're not even missing that. From a kid's point of view, do you remember how awesome it was to get mail? I would poop my pants when I got mail from the dentist. And I hated the dentist, but oh, he was calling or emailing me. Not emailing, good Lord. He was sending me a postcard to remind me about my appointment on Tuesday. And oh, oh, that was going on the fridge. It was awesome. Of course, uh, with my childhood and the way my mom hopped churches, most of my postcards were from Sunday school teachers. We miss you. Come back. No, my mom hates your church. Okay, so um, let me just put this in there. Plan, 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 prep, prep, prep. Plan and prep. Planning and prepping. Prepping and planning. Please do a lot of planning, but not to the point. Balance that against the perfectionism thing we just talked about. You want to map out what you want. I think it's important right after you get a vision to start planning and, and thinking about how it's going to flesh itself out. Uh, some people would call that a mission statement or something, but I would just call it a plan. What is your plan? You look at your photo of the future, your vision, and you say, what What do we got to do to get there? Now, obviously, you can only plan on what you can see with your eyes and feel with your, you know, and think with your mind and all this nice stuff. So your plans, ha- you know, what do they say? Uh, man plans and God laughs. So your plans have to be at the mercy of God. And, um, and so that's what I do. I seriously, seriously pray through the whole process. I write up what I feel like God is telling me to do. And then I, I literally, or not literally, I guess, but I lay that down and I literally say to God, I'm laying this at your feet. This is where we're going. This is where we're heading, but this is not set in stone. Whatever you want, do. And then I go by that plan. And I trust that God will direct me and guide me because if my heart of hearts is truly set on doing God's will, and I really believe that and I'm really trying, I think even if I'm wrong a little bit, God's mercy and grace is enough to steer me the right way. Do you believe that? I hope so because it's going to save your butt. You can quote me on that. That would be awesome because I said God and all this awesome stuff and I said butt right at the end. Okay, uh, prep, prep, prep. 90% of frustration alleviation is preparation. That's straight from me. Not preparation H, preparation. And uh, so if you plan and then prep, get all your stuff together, man, even stupid things like we did the toilet paper game the other day and, um, and uh, my game leader had not, you know how there's a little tiny bit of adhesive on the toilet paper roll. 
And it's very hard to pull the first sheet off and you have to kind of unravel it and then tear it off. She hadn't done that. And um, it wasn't a big deal. But man, when you're up there live and the, the kids are watching and the music's playing and the game is there and everybody's, ah, that's a very stressful time not to be able to unroll some toilet paper. So preparation, man, get all that stuff done in advance. Get all your props laid out. Get all of your stuff set up. Get, you know, and, and, and when you're thinking about your events, what are you going to need? Are you going to need a release forms? Are you going to need a, an excuse for teachers to get kids out of school for a half day? Whatever it is, try, try, try. That's planning and prepping, man. They're, they're so ingrained in, in one another. Uh, plan and prep. And try to involve people as much as possible. I, I should say plan, prep, and then delegate as much as you can. Anything that, that somebody else can do, they should be doing it. Um, here's another one. Do your best with what you, I've already said that. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Now, I'm not talking about don't swear during service, even though you should not swear during service. Even a uh, funny story, my, my son comes home. And um, says he he my he, the boy says bad words. I'm like, my son's four, and he's talking about this little kid. He says bad words. I'm like, ah, darn! What what kind of bad words is he saying? What's he saying around my kids? And um, I said, well, what's a bad word? And I kind of cringe because I don't want to hear my son swear. And he says he says poop face. And I'm like, ooh ooh, and you know it was terrible. I had to wash his mouth out with soap for saying poop face. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Keep your area clean. Children's ministry comes with a lot of crap. It comes with a lot of stuff. And uh, you know it and I know it. Keep it clean. If you can't keep it clean, keep it organized. That's what I tell my missionettes coordinator. She has got a closet full of stuff. And the only reason why I don't tell her to throw it all away is because the woman uses it. I think it's awesome. It's the first time I ever had somebody like this, that, that it's a hoarder, so to speak, but uses every bit of the stuff. If you go in there three months from now, it'll all still be there, but it'll be different stuff because it's rotated out. This woman does crafts with the kids and it's awesome and wonderful. And so I don't dog her out, but I tell her this, if you can't keep it clean, keep it organized, man, put it in clear totes, spend a little bit of money, uh, even if you have to just get bankers boxes, but be careful with cardboard because roaches like it especially if you live in Florida like I do. But uh, keep your areas clean. People are going to see that stuff accidentally. You know, the maintenance people, the, your pastor, and they're going to go back in your closet and they're going to see all this stuff just laying around. And that's going to be their impression of your ministry. Why would they do that, Pastor James? That's so unfair. Because they're in church on Sunday. They can't sit there and watch what you're doing. They don't know what you do. They trust you. So do yourself a favor. Keep your area clean. But... Okay, I was raised by, uh, I'm the son of a hoarder, so I like to throw things away. I like to keep minimal things in my house. I like to keep my desk clean and all that. And I love to throw stuff away. And when I first got into ministry for the first time, uh, the guy I, I, I followed was a bit of a hoarder, a ministry hoarder, to the point that he would keep um, every single bucket of, of uh, bubble gum that was given away. He kept all the lids and the buckets Never used them, um, but we had them. I threw them away, okay? I threw away a lot of stuff, and I threw away a lot of stuff I shouldn't have. So that's what I want to balance it out, saying um, keep it clean, but be careful what you toss, okay? Um, here, There's a general rule of, of the way I do storage. Anything that I'm going to use once a year goes far away from, from me. It goes into a back room somewhere. If I can break it down, I break it down. If we have off-site storage, it goes into off-site storage. Um, but if the... If if the, the the money and time, um, if it's worth it to go ahead and reproduce it, I'm going to throw it away and I'll build it again next year because I don't want to store a five dollar item for a year and it costs me five hundred bucks. You know, I don't know. I'm just being you know throwing out numbers. Uh, but if it could, if I could rebuild it in five minutes to an hour, I'm going to just throw it away and I'm going to get a new one or give it away. Okay, um, stuff I use monthly is going to go in a back closet off the stage somewhere so I can pull it out. Like for us, we do BGMC Sundays, our missions emphasis once a month. That stuff stays in my back closet. Stuff I use weekly is going to stay in a cabinet right near the door. Offering supplies, game stuff, candies, uh, forms that we use and fill out, um, you know, any of that stuff, my offering buckets, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff's going to go right up near the front. That's one thing. Um, and so uh, anything though that is a one-shot deal, that I'm never going to use again, I might hold on to it for a month, but then I'm going to keep track of that junk and throw it away. And for the piddly stuff, things like rolls of toilet paper, string, ribbon, um, army men, 
video, you know, stuff for games and stuff. I have boxes A through Z. I stole this straight out of uh, a church that I saw, uh, Jim Weidman's old church, actually. And uh, theirs was a big old room. Mine's just a couple of shelves, A through Z, banker's boxes. And if it's, it starts with an A, it goes in the A box. If it's an apple, a plastic apple, it's going to go in the A box or the F box. It might be a fruit. Um, for string, S box. For for uh, robots, R box. For bags, B box. And I have all these things. And that way, when you say, Pastor James, well, you know, what if it's something and you can't decide on the name? Well, if it's string or ribbon, I've only got to look through two boxes instead of everything I've got, all of my stuff. Because, you know, all that crizzle, all that random stuff just ends up somewhere. I'd rather look through two boxes than have to look through my entire inventory. So it really helps. And I even spread that around to my leaders. I'm like, Hey, if you need anything before you go buy it, come by or call me, I'll go through the box. I'll tell you if you've got it, if we got it already. Yeah. I went out and bought a, a clock the other day to smash with a hammer on in front of the stage. Cause we're doing myth busters. And so at the end of the service, we bust something that kind of symbolizes the myth. And the myth was God doesn't have time for me. So we busted an alarm clock. I went and bought one for six bucks at target, like a dork. And we had one in um, the C box. Somebody got on to me about that, my, one of my own leaders, and I think that's awesome. Okay, so keep it clean, but be careful what you toss because you might need it. And you don't know the history of your church. Somebody might have bought that, and it might break their heart if you threw it away. Somebody might have scrimped and saved in the Sunday school class to pay for that. Just be careful. I'm not saying you still can't get rid of it. It might be stupid and old, um, but you just have to be careful. It's just, it's worth it to care. I used to be the guy didn't care about all that stuff, man. They just need to get over it. That's just stupid. It's about ministry. It's about this, that, and other, but it's also about loving people. And if I got to keep something on a shelf for a year or two until that person dies, leaves the church or forgets, and I can sneak it out the back, I'm going to do that. I still don't care. I just pretend like I do. Okay. So there you go. Um, here's another suggestion I have for every new staff member and, and nobody follows it. I did, but some people do. Be quiet for one year. Okay? Be quiet for one year. When you start a church, be quiet for one year. Now, I'm not talking about things that are necessities. You're always going to have to mention stuff to your pastor and make suggestions, blah, blah, blah. But as far as jumping into an existing work or a new work and uh, just chill for one year and listen and find out and learn your people Learn your pastor, learn your coworkers, sit through staff meetings and say as little as humanly possible because you don't know what's been suggested before. You don't know what's been tried until you've been through one season and seen how your church does every single event and every single thing, the way they problem solve, the way all that kind of stuff. Once you're a year into it, you still have your opinions. Write them down, thoughts and things like that. But then you'll know how it works and you'll see things because every person that I've ever seen come in new, they come in, they shoot off the hip, they've got all these wonderful quote-unquote ideas, and they're things that we tried and did years ago or last year or were suggested by somebody, and they fell flat or whatever, and they just come off kind of sounding either cocky or kind of dumb. So I'm just trying to help you. This is something my mentor told me. He said, don't say nothing for a year, and uh, it is so worth it. It's so worth it. I ask a lot of questions. You can do that all day, but don't don't be all trying to act like you somebody. Okay. Um, oh, and, and in combination with that, kind of playing off of that, don't here's a it's a statement that I have I've used with tons of my um, the people that I've mentored is don't make policy off one Sunday. Don't make policy off of what happens on one Sunday. Okay, basically uh, or anything for that matter. Um, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to, we want to over-respond to situations and issues that happen. And we want to change drastically our vision and our ministry because of one thing that happened. One little thing that may never happen again. But it's natural for us to want to fix things, especially as men, I think, that are in children's ministry. We want to fix it. We want to be the answer and the solution. It's in our DNA. But don't make policy off one Sunday. Keep an eye on it, and if it continues, and I'm being very general here because I don't know. A lot of times my stuff is policy-based. Um, 
check-in stations and this, that, and the other. I had a lady last night come to me, one of my volunteers, and she was up in arms because the computer was messed up. She says, is there a way that we can come in and get trained in all of us and this and 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 have a policy manual written up and, and, and this, that, and the other? And all it was was the computer needed to be rebooted. She didn't know to do that. But to her credit, she came to me with solutions instead of a problem. I love that. But in the heat of the moment, if I had been a little bit more of a noob, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I want to please you. And, yes, I want you off my back, and I don't want you mad at me and thinking bad things about me later. So I will go ahead, and we will set this up, and I will begin to write policy. And this. And the truth was I was able to look at her and say, well, we need to duplicate the problem. Um, 90% of the time with a computer, it is user error. She didn't like hearing that, but it was true. And um, sure enough, all it was was computer was trying to do updates. The Internet was a little laggy. And um, once we rebooted it, it was fine. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I had a guy, he's an awesome dude. He's a children's pastor now in, in Kansas City uh, after being a senior pastor for a few years. Great guy, but um, a little bit uh, like that. He just wanted to fix everything drastically. And if something didn't work right or if the, the prize didn't go to the right team or whatever, whatever, uh, if the bus didn't come in at the right time, he wanted to change everything right then. And I'm like, no, chill. See if it happens again. If it becomes an issue, yes, let's change policy. Let's change the way we do things. But if you've prayed through and you've gone through and you've struggled with your with your vision and you've prayed and you've sought the face of God for where you need to go and what you need to do, you can trust that a lot more than you can trust the situation that you happen to be in right in that moment. And um, now if the situation presents itself again and again, yes, make policy. Figure something out. Change what you're doing, your policies and your procedures. But uh, take it easy and don't be don't be you know shooting off at the hip. Okay, last one I've got here, and this is no by by no means an exhaustive list. Take time off each month. You need to do this now with a new ministry. It's so hard to do, so hard to do. But still, if you can't do it initially, make it a priority. Put it on your top list of things to do. That as soon as you can, um, you're going to take time off once a month and go to big church. It is so, so vital. Children's ministry alienates people from the big church. It does. It's going to separate you, and it's going to make you feel like you're an outsider. And in order for your children's ministry to orbit around the vision of the church instead of doing its own little orbit like I see so many people doing, you're going to have to be in the church, in the service, knowing and hearing the heart of your pastor, and trust, even if you don't like his teaching, trust that God— it's going to minister to you and bless you because you're doing this out of obedience. You're going to get a feel for your church. And, and almost as important as your edification, you're going to be seen there by the parents. And they're going to say the jokes. Matter of fact, I always like to say the joke first because I always like to take offering on my Sunday to be in big church. And I always say something to the effect of, if I'm here, who's watching your kids? And they love that joke, but I think they worry because uh, they, they know I'm crazy. Uh, but yeah, go to church, get, get, get some stuff in there for you. Take some time off and demand that your leaders do the same thing. Um, yes, it's a sacrifice, but gum, I think God honors stuff like that. I really do. I've seen it. So whatever, it's not the Bible, but whatever. Okay. So that's it. Let me hit them again. Um, pray, 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 get a vision from God and pastor. Uh, put most, uh, oh, did I say this? Put most of your relationship energy. I didn't say this. This is huge. Put most of your energy, your relational energy, the relationships that you create and stuff initially into your parents and your volunteers. And I would almost say in that order, everybody's like, oh, the kids, the kids, the kids, and the kids are important. I remember when I used to think children's ministry was about ministering to kids. It is, but it's so much more too. And I have found more benefit in developing relationships with parents and families as a whole than just the kids. The kids, no offense to them, but relationships with so many of them are almost automatic. As long as you're on stage and you show them some love and ask them what they ate for breakfast that morning and hug their little sister, they love you. There's always exceptions to every rule. You know this. The, the, the kids that are bottled up and blah, blah, blah. But even in those situations, I think getting to know the families and understanding where they come from and knowing what makes them tick and where they live and all this kind of stuff has got so much more value than just the kids. And so many children's pastors get to know kids so much and they talk to them so much and they're so ingrained, involved in the kids only 
that pretty soon their relationships with adults outside of the children's department starts to degrade and they can't even talk to grown-ups anymore, not without either being bitter or upset. So God really got on to me this year, and, and that's probably something I should have mentioned during my ministry update. He gave me a bunch of, of uh, resolutions, not resolutions, because resolutions stink. Resolutions and uh, you know New Year's Eve resolutions stink because they say, uh, do this, and if you fail, you failed for the year. I like New Year's goals because you can't you can fail from a goal and still it's still a goal. Um, but one of them was to get to know people I have no business knowing in my church, meaning I started going to men's ministry. I don't really like men's ministry. I don't really like men. I, I know that sounds weird, but I'm I'm a nerd. I'm a kind of a geeky dude. I like playing video games and being by myself. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a fisherman. I hate sports. I have nothing in common with these guys, but I've been going. I need to start going again because I quit a little bit just for the last few weeks. I had appendicitis, okay? That's the other update. <laughs> so I had an excuse, but I need to get back in there because they're doing a new series that doesn't stink as bad as the last one. And uh, I know guys now, and they're picking on me and joking with me and doing guy stuff, and I kind of fit in better than I thought I would. Still can't talk about sports, but you know, every now and then I find somebody that likes Doctor Who, and we're cool. So... Um, uh, so anyway, poor relationships into parents and people. Uh, so my that first thing God says, get to know people you have no business knowing. So obviously he wanted me to break out of my circle. And the other thing um, is to to get to know these parents and really start communicating with them and talking to them as, as equals. Matter of fact, at my age now, I know it, uh, it's so weird. I'm uh, I'm older than most of the parents that I serve, and I do serve them. Serve my pastor, but I also serve their families. Those families, I'm not their servant, but I am a, a, a server. So, uh, but but develop those relationships with your volunteers and your parents. It's so important and so vital. The kids will come. They're, they're there. They're almost easy, but but the grownups not so much. And if if people see you interacting great with your volunteers and uh, with parents, it's going to open up doors like you wouldn't believe. Okay, so that's that. Um, those are them. You saw them. You heard them. So we'll move on to resources. I always like to mention resources. And I'm going to tell you, probably next episode, I am going to do an entire episode just on this one book. It's not a Christian book. It is an amazing book, though. It's called Getting Things Done by David Allen. It has changed my life. No book outside of the Bible has done as much for me. It may be Experiencing God. That's a good book. Um, but no book has done as much for me day in, day out, other than the Bible, as Getting Things Done by David Allen. Um, it is a, a, a per, it's not a leadership manual. It's nothing like that. It's nothing that fancy. Uh, it is a literally how to get things done. And it and it's such a great system. And uh, you can you can do your own version of it and all this kind of stuff. But in a nutshell, what it does is it, 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 it teaches you how to process every single thing that comes across your desk or across you, you know, but I'll just say desk for the lack of a, a better word. Children's ministry comes with a lot of stuff, not just in storage, but in details. There's lights that need to be replaced in classroom 202. Somebody threw up in the nursery and that we need to get that cleaned. You know, uh, millions and millions of details. Somebody needs more crayons in, in, in the preschool room. Uh, pastor wants you to design such and such a logo for this, that, and the other. Um, you're supposed to preach on this day. And I don't know, I don't You got to go eat lunch with this guy and follow up with this person. And somebody else's six-month uh, renewal for children's ministry is coming up. You need to follow up with them. How do you keep track of all this stuff without it driving you crazy. Well, most of the time we don't. We try to keep it in our brain. And um, the book calls those open loops. And those are the things that stress you out and burn you out and make it hard for you to sleep at night. At least it did me. I would lay there and try to keep all this stuff in my brain and go through it and try to figure it out trying to sleep. Well, David Allen's thing it teaches you how to process this stuff and how to get things done in a timely fashion. And and. I don't want to go through it all. I'm just going to say go through, go go get the book. And if you don't want to get the book, go online and read up a little bit about it. There's a whole community wrapped around this getting things done, or GTD as it's called, by David Allen. And um, basically it has fixed everything about the way I get stuff done. And I'm being so much more productive um, because the beauty of it is 
not only is there stuff that should be done, there's, there's stuff that you, maybe you don't have a lot of energy one particular day. There's things you need to get done, but then there's stuff that you can, you can handle doing. And sometimes I'll put three or four things aside that I need to do, but I just ain't got it to get it going yet on those. And I find an item that I can do with the energy that I have, the energy level that I have, especially lately with the appendix thing. I had my appendix taken out as a grown man and it's not fun. Um, some days you can't, you don't have the energy to do what you should do, but you f- can find some stuff you can do. Um, so it's beautiful. I could go into it right now, but I'm not getting things done. David Allen, get prepped up and we'll talk about it next show. Uh, time for your input. This is from Gerald. Amazing word. Uh, apparently this was in response to my sermon note, uh, that was posted back, uh, in the day. Amazing word. I've been listening to the podcast for about a week now. I'm new to it. It came highly recommended by my pastor. Yay, win. I've loved everything I've heard so far. Although they are older podcasts, Jesus is timeless. Therefore, they are all relevant, and I would agree with that. I can't wait to use some of your ideas in our services. I had a great dinner date with my wife yesterday. I was going over the stuff with her, too. She's my partner in the classroom. Um, so I'm soaking it all up. However, that sermon went right to my heart. Good stuff and good word. Thank you for your honesty. Also, I love the comment. Play some nice music that makes people want Jesus. Hilarious. God bless. Gerald. So yeah, if you haven't uh, listened to the last show in the in the podcast feed, it's actually a, a, a sermon that I did, and it just talks about um, my journey, a little bit of my journey about becoming a person that is broken and uh, have and I, I have a feeling, honestly, that that process is going to start again soon. Because, uh, you know, when you think you've arrived and think you got something down, that's when God's like, oh, yeah. And um, he shakes you up and recreates you and uh, makes you into something more and, and something maybe not better, but better off. How about that? Hey, guys, thanks so much for putting this podcast together. I just got an iPhone and I've really discovered the world of pod. I've recently discovered the world of podcasts. Well, congratulations because they're awesome. I found your podcast on iTunes and I listened to my first one today. It was awesome and so refreshing. Thank you for the creative teaching ideas. I plan to put them to use. I've been doing ministry with children for more than 11 years, but always love new ideas and fresh ways of thinking. I agree. Matter of fact, the longer I'm in ministry, the more I worry that I'm just becoming set in my ways and I love new stuff. Um, I would love for you guys to talk about ways you actively engage your kids in serving others and loving their neighbors. At our church, we have a group that we call Truth Travelers. Also, if you're interested in a couple of resources, I have an opportunity. I had an opportunity to put together. I would love to share them with you. Here's a link to the video on YouTube. And then he's got a link. I'll put that in the show notes. Again, thanks. This was awesome. Serving the King, Matt Lee. Well, Matt, that's a good idea, man. Um, I'll talk a little bit about it, uh, about actively engaging kids and serving others. Um, is we have a Timothy Club um, that we started, and uh, we we allow kids to travel um, between Kid City, Juniorville, which is our preschool, and nursery, helping out and being runners and stuff like that. That's one way we do it. But a lot of our outreach-style stuff is done through our midweek programs with our rangers and missionettes, because they are discipleship-based rather than like big church-based, like Kids City. And so I delegate that stuff. And um, they do they do parades. They go and sing um, for old folks. They, they create things and give them to uh, disadvantaged children. So um, they bring in food, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just better done on a smaller scale um, through those folks. And then also there's BGMC. BGMC is a once-a-month program that we do where we talk about giving and, and focus on missions and uh, prayer and things like that and learning about other countries. And so service projects are great for that kind of stuff too. But it's mostly just kids earning thing, earning money and, and going out and begging, borrowing, stealing, whatever they got to do <laughs> to uh, raise money for BGMC. So I hope that helps. If you want to talk about it more, feel free to give me a call or email me. Uh, let me give you some of those things. It's uh, helpimachildrenspastor.com is the website. Helpimacp at gmail is the email address. The voicemail is 2095NLCast, 2095NLCast. And feel free to email me. And, uh, you know, if we need to set up a phone call, let's do that. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just a guy like you working, doing stuff. And, uh, you know, I can't always talk. 
but um, I can always set time to talk. You know what I'm saying? Uh, especially now that I'm getting things done, man, I won't forget y'all. I'll, I'll get you on that email. But I'm telling you, getting things done, has, I, I didn't finish my sentence earlier, it has affected everything from the amount of keys I carry to the desk and the way I keep my desk, the way I file things. I can find anything I want. Am I overselling it? Absolutely not. I haven't told you anything yet. Getting things done works for me, and it's amazing. Go find out about it. Don't wait till the next podcast, but we'll talk about it more next time. Hey, let me do one more thing, too. I want to do a show. I wanted it to be this one, but nobody responded. Um, I want to do a show where we just get silly. Can we do one show where we just get silly and share the stories from our ministries, silly, stupid, embarrassing things that have happened to us? Can I give you an example? This is one thing that happened to me. I was talking to some parents years ago, and their little girl, she's about five, maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. But she was about the same size as my belt buckle, okay, or about the same height. And I'm talking to the parents and all this kind of stuff, and um, all of a sudden I feel something. And this is a Christian show, so I'll leave it to your imagination. Maybe I won't. I'll just say that somebody pinched me in a very private place um, and just honked me, I should say. This is not something you want to happen, but if it's going to happen, let it happen in public, in front of the parents, so that there cannot be anything said <laughs> ill of you. But my eyes got big, the guy, and, and the guy kind of responded, and he matched my expression, so I'm like, huh? And he went, huh? But he was more out of confusion. Mine was out of sheer horror. As I looked down to see the little girl pulling her hand back away from um, my private area, and uh, I just looked back up at him. And I kind of shifted away from her. <laughs> and he says, yeah, she kind of does that. And um, so we finished our conversation. And I, <laughs> it was, I don't know. I probably should have tried to encourage him to talk to her about that. and, and all. But at the time, what are you going to do? Uh, that was the most shocking thing that has ever happened to me in children's ministry. There's plenty more. Like the time I had to baptize somebody as, uh, in an emergency in the middle of a children's service. I'd love to share that with you, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to share my stories unless you share yours. So email them, type them up, and send them to me. Make sure they're not 500 pages long. Get them down to a paragraph or two. Send those juggers to me. I would love to fill in an entire show after the one we do on um, getting things done. I'd love to uh, for us to share our stories with each other and just say, you know what? It's not just me. It's all of us because that stuff is good for you. Laughter is good for you, and sharing those kind of stories are too. Um, maybe one day we'll do horror stories <laughs> as well, but those make good, funny stories. So send them in, man. The time the object lesson blew up or didn't happen, or somebody didn't show up and you almost lost your mind or somebody kicked you in the head or somebody pinched your privacies. Um, whatever you got, send them in. I'd love to hear them guys. That's this show. We'll see you guys next time. God bless you. Mm-hmm.